Well, good morning. My name is Andy McFarland. I'm one of the pastors at North Point Community Church. Uh, North Point was planted out of Lincoln Berean almost 15 years ago. I was on staff here from 2002 to 2005, and we launched in September of 05. Many of you were here years before that, praying and giving that uh, North Point could happen. So when Brian offers me the chance to come back, I always jump at it. The answer is, yeah, I'd love to come back. It's so fun to be here. But one of the things is to say thank you for, for your investment in us, for praying, for believing, for, for hoping with us. One of the things uh, when Brian talked about launching the church way back in 04 and 05, he said, look, if you're just looking for a, a smaller church because Berean's gotten so big, or you just looking for a church that's a little bit more convenient, please don't go. Uh, please just stay, because we're sending folks to North Point to reach uh, the north side for Christ. We just think having a church there will make it easier for people to invite their neighbors and friends from Seward, from the Highlands, wherever. Well, as we've done that, we try to embody Christ on, on the north side. Uh, shortly after we started North Point, somebody said, Andy, um, if North Point were to cease to exist, would anybody care? Other than the people who are in it, would, would anybody notice? Would anybody care? And so we have kind of wanted to, to answer that question, yeah, that, that people who don't follow Jesus and who don't get our theology, who don't, would still be glad we're here. And so the last couple months um, in January, Campbell Elementary, right up there, 20th and Superior, is having a book drive, a literacy drive. Um, years ago, I heard one out of five Campbell students was ELL, English Language Learner. Um, so they were looking for community partners, and we partnered with them and gave them over 250 books for their literacy drive. Um, last month, February, North Star had their uh, parent-teacher conferences, and the, the parent-teacher organizations is a different gig on the south side than it is on the north side. Uh, there's, there's no parent-teachers, uh, parents to bring in stuff for the teachers. So we said, we'd like to fill that gap, and we asked our uh, congregation, would you consider making soups and uh, bread that we could take that? And so we did. And just wanting to make the love of God practical. Um, my son's a senior. Our son's a senior at North Star, and so I went for parent-teacher conferences. And I would say four or five teachers stopped me. They connected me with the church and said, thank you. That was so good. That was so kind. Thanks for caring about us. And I trust that together we have the same mission of making Jesus known celebrated in Lincoln. And it's great to partner with you to that end. Uh, this last couple of three months, the, the world of professional baseball has been rocked by a scandal. It's come out that in 2017 and in 2018, the Houston Astros had an elaborate system to illegally steal signs from the opposing catcher so they know which pitch was coming, and they had a system to relay it to their batter so they know which pitch was coming. Well, in 2017, the Astros won the World Series championship. Well, this broke in the last six months, and it's uh, shocked the baseball world. The commissioner fined the Astros $5 million. He suspended their general manager and manager for a year, and they were subsequently fired by the organization. And he took away their first and second round draft choice in the amateur draft in 2020 and 2021 pretty heavy consequences, and the Astros aren't 
fighting it. They weren't surprised. The question is then, why'd they do it? They knew they were wrong. Why'd they do it? They really wanted to win. They wanted the affirmation that comes with being World Series champions. See, they went into, they've been in existence since 1962. And it had been 55 years since they won anything. And they were kind of being mocked, the organization without a championship. But they would do that. They would win. They made trades. They did, traded away prospects that year so they could win. And in fact, they did. But in the process, they stooped real low to get that win. And now they're living with the consequences. I think it raises a question for you and for me. How low will we go? How low will we stoop to get the affirmation of the world? I want us to think about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Genesis 27, we're going to look at a guy who stooped pretty low. Uh, his name's Jacob. We're going to go through this passage and wrestle with the question, how low will we go to get the world's affirmation? As you're turning there, most of you know the story, but let me, let me just give you the backdrop. God went in, created the world. Humanity pushed back. God said, I'm going to make myself known through a, a chosen people. And he started with a guy named Abraham. Abraham married Sarah. They had a son, Isaac. Second generation, Isaac married Rebekah. And that's where we are, the transition to the third generation. Isaac and Rebekah have had twins, their names are Esau and Jacob. Uh, they've grown up. Isaac thinks he's about to die. He won't, but he, he thinks he's at that point. And, and so he's making some decisions as he nears the end of the life, his life. And this is where we pick it up in verse 1, chapter 27 of Genesis. It says, Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see, keep that in mind, his vision is failing, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son, and he said to him, here I am. Isaac said, behold now, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me as I love, and bring it to me that I may, may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. He's passing on the fatherly blessing to his older son, Esau. Commentators are kind of unsure of the, the relationship between the birthright and the blessing. Typically, the way it went down the Jewish family, the older son got the birthright, which was a promise of an extra share of the property or the wealth. The blessing, a little bit more subjective. It was sy symbolic of, of divine prosperity and potency and, and dominion. And together, the birthright and the blessing gave the older son the, the one who would carry the, the family legacy and the family name forward. It, it, was, it was a position of, of prestige. He would lead the family into the next generation. Now, where this all got a little tricky is when Rebecca was carrying the twins, God made a statement. He said, the, the older, Esau, is going to serve the younger. The younger is going to be the lead dog, if you will. Uh, reversal of roles, but uh, Isaac, I guess, didn't want to hear that, and, and so he's going to give his blessing to Esau. 
Now earlier, Esau had sold his birthright to Jacob for a, a bowl of stew. So it, it's kind of a confused picture at this point. But what we need to know is Rebecca, the mother, hears this, and she's not pleased because she wants to see Isaac get the fullness of the, both the birthright and the blessing. So listen to what she decides to do. Verse 5, Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat, and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you and not Esau before his death. Oh, wait, 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 Rebecca. Uh, God has already said before the kids were born that, that Jacob would, would lead and, and Esau would serve him. But I guess that's not enough for Rebecca. She really doesn't believe that, so she thinks she better take things into her own hands. So she concocts this plan. Uh, Jacob hears it and hears his response, verse 11, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father, okay, we, we know his eyes are failing, but perhaps my father will feel me then and I will be as a deceiver in his sight and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. That, that may, even though his eyesight's failing, he may figure this out. Now, now, Jacob didn't have any moral qualms about it, but he is concerned about getting caught. Remember, the Astros got caught, and it was five million bucks, fire your manager, fire your general manager, lose your draft. I mean, he's concerned about the consequences. He's concerned about the curse. He doesn't seem too concerned about the right and wrong of it. Uh, Rebecca puts his mind at ease in verse 13. Here's what she says. But his mother said to him, ah, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. She must think her son really needs this. So he went and got them, two goats, and he brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Now, now tell me she doesn't have a favorite son here in Jacob. And, and she put the skins of the young goats on his hand and on the smooth part of his neck. She gave him the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. So, so, so the plan's moving forward, but now comes the moment of truth. Jacob's got to execute the plan. So he goes to his father in verse 18. Here's what it says. Then he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. And Isaac says, who are you, my son? Now remember, the question we're wrestling with is, how low will we go to get the affirmation? And I'm going to pose this question three times. Because I want to emphasize, Jacob's willing to go pretty low. Jacob, how low will you go? Your father has point blank asked you, who are you, my son? There's a chance to come clean. Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. 
I have done as you told me. Get up, please. Sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. Man, Jacob, you're pretty desperate for this blessing. Isaac said to his son, how is it did you have it so quickly, my son? Second time I want to ask Jacob, how low will you go? Here's how he answers. And he said, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. You talk about a seared conscience. You're going to bring God in on this deception? Man, you must really, really, really want this blessing. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So even though he can't see, he's got questions. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. One more time. Verse 24. Are you really my son Esau? Jacob, how low will you go? He said, I am. We're wrestling with the question. How low will we go to get the affirmation of the world? <laughs> Looking at Jacob, here's, here's the answer. Depending on how desperate we are, we'll go pretty low to get the affirmation of the world. We'll go pretty low to get the affirmation of the world. Let's see how this plays out. Verse 25 so he said, bring it to me that I will eat of my son's game that I may bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate and he also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when he had smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, see the smell of my son it is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven. That he's talking about the rain you need for crops and of the fatness of the earth and the abundance of grain and new wine. May, may God bless your crops. May you flourish. And, verse 29, may people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. Whoa, 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 whoa Isaac. You think you're talking to Esau and, and God has already said Esau's going to serve Jacob, but, but you're pronouncing a different thing. Isaac, you got issues with God. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. So the blessing has been given. And then Esau shows up. Verse 30. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone from the presence of his Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father, and he brought it to his and said to his father, let my father rise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Isaac, his father, said to him, who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard these words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and even said to his father, bless me, even me also, O oh my father. He said, your brother came deceitfully. That's 
Jacob's MO. That's his character, deception. And it's taken away your blessing. Uh, Esau speaks then. He said, is, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. Talking about the birthright and now the blessing. He took away my birthright. Now behold, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I've made him your master and all his relatives. I have given him to be his servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. Now as for you, then what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Verses 39 and 40, Isaac predicts Esau's future. It says this, behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of the heaven from above. You're not going to have great crops. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless. Then you will break his yoke from your neck. We go on, but in verses 41 to 45, Esau says, I'm going to see my dad through to his death, but then I'm going to kill Jacob. Uh, Rebecca gets wind of that and says, we need to send Jacob away. And in chapter 28, 1 through 5, Isaac does send Jacob to find a wife from their homeland. Curious. What do you think of this family? How many would say, Andy, man, I, I, I come from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> well, join the crowd. <laughs> These are God's patriarchs. You talk about dysfunction. Here we are. And what is the root issue? Trust in God. God, God has made some statements, but, but they're not believing God. No one is. And so they need to think, they need to take things into their own hands. They need to get all this world has to get. They need, they need the affirmation of the world. And they're willing to stoop real, real low to do it. See, I, I think this issue goes all the way back to the garden. When Satan met Adam and Eve, and he called the character of God into question. He, all these trees, you can eat any of them, but just that one you can't. And Satan says, he's, 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 God's holding out on you. He's afraid you're going to know. And he put the question in their mind, can we trust God? Is he good? And you and I have inherited that. And we doubt. So we think we better take things into our own hands. Now, maybe most of us haven't lied as egregiously as, as Jacob has, but I'd say we're, we're still caught up in the longing of the affirm, for the affirmation of this world. So when I tell stories, sometimes I'm prone, and then I, I never lie. I would never lie because I'm a pastor, right? But, but I, just, I just embellish them just a, just a little, little bit. Not a lot, because I don't want to get caught, right? Just, just, a, just a little bit. Why would I embellish stories? Because I want you to think I'm a little smarter, a little funnier, a little braver than I really am. I want your affirmation, the affirmation of the world. See, the affirmation of the world's subtle. Maybe for you, you're in a sales job and you, you bought some stuff that you really didn't need, but you went, you went for it and, and now you've got to sell product. And, and so you oversell product, knowingly oversell product. 
to an unaware client? Because you need the affirmation of this world. Or, or maybe you're at home and you're monitoring email, but you charge, build a client for those hours when you know you really shouldn't, but maybe you can kind of justify why. Because you want the affirmation of this world. Uh, perhaps you're a student and uh, maybe not as disciplined as you should be and, and you don't do your homework and you come and you tell your teacher, oh, I had it, but I lost it. That's a lie. That's deception. Why? Because I don't want to look so bad. And maybe I'll get another day. Maybe I can get the approval and the grades that are part of the affirmation of this world. So what do we do with this tendency to doubt the goodness of God? I'd say we, we cast our eyes on Jesus. And before he was led into public ministry, the Holy Spirit took him to the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. And at the very root of it, Satan questioned the Father's goodness to Jesus. He's been 40 days without food. Hey, just turn these stones into bread. Now, is God really good if he lets you? Go this long without food? Hey, Jesus, man, you are not being recognized for who you are. And in fact, we know Jesus' brothers didn't believe until after he was resurrected from the dead. But he said to Jesus, you know, you're not being recognized for who you are. You need to throw yourself down and let the world see you as you are. Affirmation of the world. And then what we want, we want people to know who we are. What? That was the play to Jesus. And then finally he said, Jesus, look at the kingdoms of here. Look at the kingdoms of the world. If you'll just... Worship me, no cross, no nothing. That's all yours. All the affirmation, none of the pain. Jesus said, no. I choose to trust the goodness of God. If you're prone to failure in this area, like I am, I suggest more than ever, we need to pray, God, Jesus, Lord Jesus, would you build your character in me that I would trust your goodness like you trusted his goodness in the desert, in the wilderness. So maybe you're saying, Andy, you know, good message, good thoughts there from uh, Genesis 27, but you're a little late for me because I've already stooped pretty low and I'm dealing with some consequences. What do you have to say to me? Well, I, I want to reframe the question just a little bit. I, what do I have to say to us? Because see, we've been going North Point about uh, maybe 15 years. And I don't have my exact time frame. It was 12, 13 years ago. It was a Saturday night. We had a family game night. My kids, our kids, were, I think were second and fifth grade is what I'm remembering roughly. And we had a great time. And I know it was 7 or 8 o'clock. And, and I had just lost track of the weather. And I went into the computer room. And, and I got online. And I thought, oh, my word, there is a snowstorm that is starting right now. And in fact, we didn't have church the next day. And I came out and I said, thank you, Jesus. And our younger boy who was in the second grade said, Mama, I think Dad's being sarcastic. Yes, son, he is. Then I said something that I'm not going to tell you what I said because I'm really embarrassed and you might walk out, seriously. But I will tell you this. My wife said to the boys, hey, fellas, why don't you go to your room now? You're not in trouble. Just go to your room. After they'd gone, she said, Andy, I'm going back to the bedroom. 
I just want you to know, I never want to hear that from you again. And I sure don't want our kids who we're trying to teach to trust God to hear that again. Point taken. I knew immediately I was way out of line. Ask forgiveness. But as I, as I repented, I said, what drove that? Desire for affirmation of the world. Want a big church. Want a successful church. At the very least, I want a church that can pay my salary, right? Like one Sunday is going to blow God's plan. I'm so desperate for the affirmation of the world. I'm willing to stoop pretty low. We're in this together. And we've got failures together. So Andy, what do we say then? Well, let's go back to Jacob. You've seen the text. He bold-faced lied to his father twice. He brought in the name of God. How'd this happen so far? Oh, the Lord, your God. Would you have Jacob on your leadership team? Would you trust him? I wouldn't. My answer would be no, no. God's answer is not yet. Do you know the name of the song we sang right before I got up? The scandal of grace. There's the scandal of grace. God's not done with Jacob or with people like me or you. Ah, God in his wisdom has Jacob go off and deal with a guy named Laban. Laban's his uncle. Galatians 6, 7 says that you will reap what you sow. We will reap what we sow. Well, Laban's a really deceptive guy. Jacob's got an issue with deception. Well, well, he'll, he'll sow that now in his uncle Laban. I invite you to read it. It's 20 years of Jacob's life. Miserable years. Uh, in that, he acquires two wives, two concubines, 12 sons and a daughter. And now he's on the way back after 20 years to meet his brother Esau. And I pick it up in uh, Genesis chapter 32. He has the family go over the fort of Jabuk. And he comes back. And he's alone. And I pick it up in verse 24. It says, that, says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he, Jacob, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There's our word again. And he said, to him, what is your name? And he said, it's Jacob. And he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. It's a change of name indicating a change of character. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, but please tell me your name. And he said, why is it that you need to ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, listen to this, I have seen God face to yet my life has been preserved. I believe Jacob met the pre-incarnate Jesus face to face. He wrestled and he wouldn't let go until God blessed him. That began a change in Jacob's life. And I think here's what Jacob grew into. The blessing of God is far greater than any blessing this world can give. The affirmation of God is far greater than anything this world has to give. We don't have to stoop for that because we've got the blessing of God freely given to us in Jesus. Jacob wrestled with it. Jesus secured it on the cross. That's what we celebrated in communion. 
So my challenge to us is let's step into our understanding of this blessing, of this favor, of this affirmation from God. It's all there. It's just ours to be understood and appropriated in our lives. As we grow in our understanding of that, our longing for the affirmation of this world will fade. It will melt. Right before I stood up, we sang, oh, how he loves us. You believe that? The degree to which we believe that, I believe it's the degree which we'll be able to say no to the affirmation of the world. We'll be able to say no to stooping low because we just don't need it. I spent the summer of 1986 and 88 in Istanbul, Turkey. And near the end of the summer, it was getting time to go home, and I, I thought this is a great chance to get some unique Christmas presents. And Turks are known for their carpets. So on this particular day, I, I went to this big bazaar in Istanbul where all the Westerners go, and, and I foolishly wore a shirt that said Miami. I had some friends from Miami of Ohio, and it said Miami, and that was a mistake because all the merchants in there have a little bit of English. So they would step out and they would say to me, hey, Miami, I have a good deal for you. And they had chess sets, and they had dishes, and they had clocks, and they had a deal for me. But I wasn't interested. Do you know why? Because my heart was set on a carpet for my parents and my brothers. I remember going that day, and, and as I went, I, I had a, a guy who was a long-term staff there say, you know, Andy, um, they'll recognize you as a Westerner, and, and they will take you. They will raise their price three or four hundred percent, then cut it by fifty percent, and you think you're getting a deal, and they're ripping you off. I will go with you, and he spoke Turkish, he'd been there a couple years. But you have to let me lead. I will do all the talking. He will speak to you in English. You come back to me, I will speak to him in Turkish. If I say we need to go, we go. Don't sit your heart on the carpet. You 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 can tell me what you want, and I'll I'll do that, and and you follow my lead. And I will get you fullness of value if you'll do that. What's my point? My point is this world has all kinds of things that would fill our heart, or in my case, my suitcase in our heart. But when our heart is set on what God has to offer, we can say no to those things. The surest way that we can get all of God is the surest way. I got all value in a carpet. I followed this guy's lead. You want to stop stooping low for the affirmation of this world? Follow Jesus. Step into Jesus, man. Let him lead you. Let him lead us. Because the truth is, we'll stoop pretty low without him to get the affirmation of this world. Jesus came to free us, and he gave to give us so much more. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we see in Jacob a broken man, a deceitful man. But in Jacob, we see the scandal of grace uh, that you didn't give up on him. But Lord, we don't want to make those kind of mistakes. If Jacob can do it, we can too. Jesus, draw us to yourself. Uh, give us that spirit that believes in your goodness like you believed in the Father's goodness when you were in the wilderness. Father, that we would take hold of 
of everything that is there in you. And the affirmation of this world would matter nothing to us. We'd be free from stooping to get it. I pray this for me, my friends, my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen.